This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitz, talking everything Liverpool Football Club. The ups, the downs, the ups again, the downs, the downs, the downs. Uh, it's a real roller coaster ride this season, isn't it? I am joined by well, the two Bellinghams. We're talking about one Bellingham. We're talking about the two Bellinghams here. We're talking about Paul Gorse, the Jude Bellingham of the Liverpool Echo, and Joe Rimmer, the Linda Bellingham, uh, once of the Oxo ads. Quite tasty. Um, Hello, boys. How are you, How are you doing, Joe? <laughs> right over Joe's head. Yeah, How are you doing, Joe? I'm all right. All right. You said this is like a roller coaster ride of the season, but I think it's more like the oblivion, isn't it? Not in Towers. It's just straight down. So, yeah. <laughs> um, got that little, it comes back up again at the end because really it is, um, it's, every time you think it's about to get better, it just, um, it just lurches to a new low, doesn't it? Yeah, certainly the new low being, of course, defeat to Leeds United and the last two defeats at the Premiership to two relegated clubs or clubs have just come up for promotion, but at the bottom of the league, it doesn't get much lower. Uh, Gorsty, you've just come back from um, fresh from the manager's press conference there. What did you take from that? He's he's, he's struggling, isn't he, this season? He's, the smile's still there, but it's there's not a lot behind it, mate, is there? Yeah. Uh, first of all, I just want to address that Bellingham comparison. I wish I was... You know, even half as young as that. What is he? He's still only 19, isn't he? Um, but, yeah, i just come back there from, from Klopp's press conference and fairly, <clears throat> you know, standard press conference, really. I think one of the things he said was, even if we were absolutely flying, one thing you've never looked forward to is, oh, yeah, we've got Tottenham next. And <clears throat> I think he he knows that Sunday's going to be a massive game. And I, I, I've heard some people talk about it being a kind of, you know, they can't lose it. But to be honest... They can't even draw it because Tottenham are already 10 clear and Newcastle are absolutely flying and then Chelsea and United behind them. So they've got to start <clears throat> putting wins together, you know, and, and like Klopp said himself, they can't be picky about where they're going to start doing that. So they've got to start doing it Sunday because it's been, Premier League-wise, it's been awful, hasn't it, the last couple of games, losing to Forest and then to Leeds. And, and I was looking at the table this morning and, you know, you would have taken those games as kind of gimmies, really. So you look at an extra six points, Liverpool would be right in the thick of it, and you'd be hugely confident of them, you know, sustaining a little bit of form and um, finishing inside the top four, which I think now is just the sole aim, isn't it? But you don't know what Liverpool team you're getting from one game to the next because they're a team that can go to Ajax and win 3-0. They're a team that can lose to Leeds at home. They can beat Napoli or the Europe's most free-scoring, free-flowing team at the moment, and then they can lose away at Nottingham Forest, going back a couple of weeks to beat City. So just a huge kind of issue of a consistency, isn't it? And then Klopp got asked a little bit later on a few questions about the World Cup and one or two of the kind of, you know, political issues that surround that thing, you know, with the human rights issues of the host and whatever else. And he wasn't really given, you know... He wasn't too happy with the question, shall we say, and it provided a little bit of a kind of terse atmosphere for the last five or ten minutes of the press conference. So he's not firing on all cylinders, which you perhaps might, um, you can kind of understand given the, the run of form that they're in. But um, not many games now until the, till, till the break, is there? And Liverpool would be low to go into that, haven't come off a disappointing run of results towards the end of it. So they've got to, they've got to win Sunday for me. They've got to stay in the Carabao Cup at home to Derby next week and then they've got to beat Southampton to finish with a little bit of a flourish 
something positive to cling on to for the that six weeks and then come back again in December and, and go again. But um, vitally important that they have a good week now. Yeah, absolutely, Paul. And uh, Joe, you know, he's right there. Spurs never been a particularly easy side to play for Liverpool. I mean, Son's out. Unfortunately, it's bad to hear of any injuries like that. He's going to be out with a, an operation on a, on, a, on a fractured eye socket, I think. Um, but I think the problem is here, I mean, I, I, from my point of view, and it's only my point of view, this, but from 20 minutes in on the Fulham game, the first game of the season, there was a distinct lack of Liverpool in our Liverpool. And, um, and I think you can't make decisions one game in, you can't make decisions two or three games in or four or five games in. Once you get to the end where we are now, once you get to, to, to not Forest results and Leeds results, and, and then you put it all the picture together, this is only my opinion, but we are watching a Liverpool side who are who are gassed. They're, they're just gassed out. It's as simple as that. They played 65 matches last season and had about 60 days off, 90 days off. It doesn't really matter how many days off. It wasn't enough to then launch back into um, the Premiership. It's no surprise to me that Liverpool are doing so well in Europe because, they, one, they've got European pedigree. They know how to do it. But, two, European football slower. It's as simple as that. The pace of the game slower. They can, they can compete in a slower-paced game. Fabinho can compete in European matches, um, but they just can't do it in the Premiership. They are off the pace pretty much all around the field, um, which means that the rest of this season is going to be a, a bit of a nightmare, I think. I don't even think a hiatus for the World Cup is going to make much of a difference, Joe, because this, for me, unfortunately, is one of them, one of them situations <clears> that we had centre-backs not too long ago where, you know, closed season, it was decided whether it was because... Tukamali is it? I can't ever pronounce his name anyway. The kid who went to Real Madrid, who um, was looking at Liverpool, went. then became apparent that Jude Bellingham wasn't going to get released because Haaland had just been released. Um, so the decision was made not to get anyone, apart from, of course, our friend um, uh, Arthur, who um, who the man have signed Arthur. I mean, I'm talking about Dudley Moore in the film, because uh, he's never going to put on a red shirt, I don't think. Uh, he's been... Navigator doesn't look like he's ever going to play for us again, probably because of comments he's made about his his current contract situation. Um, so without the players to fill in the gaps, mate, we are we are going to struggle for the rest of the season. Job, sorry to break that to you, kid. <laughs> Follow that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's how do you add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the worrying thing is we're all sort of looking at this World Cup break, and I don't know why we're calling it a break because it's, it's not really a break, is it, for the players? Um, as, as some sort of big hope where they'll they'll refresh, reset, go again, come back after Christmas with with um, players back fit and and sort of confidence. But I, I don't really know whether whether that's going to be the case because of course there'll be several players who'll go off to the World Cup, albeit not as many because the other ones will be injured. Um, but obviously there are people like Darwin Nunes who'll go off to the World Cup, and we've just got to hope. That he doesn't get injured there, and then you know that they, they sort of get a couple of weeks, don't they, and they're straight back into it. So I, I don't really see whether that break can really help refresh them and, and get let them go again. So I think that's a slight worry. Um, again, you know, look at you look at January, don't you, and think, well, that's another hope that they recognise that there's been a lot of damage done in the first half, half of the season and decide to go and try and spend some money, but really. What are the chances of doing that? You know, it's not so much, even if Liverpool do decide, yeah, we want to spend money. Most people in January don't want to sell. So I don't see Dortmund saying, okay, well, we wouldn't let you have Bellingham last summer so you can have him in January. I don't think that's going to happen at all. So again, 
I can't see that happening. Um, it's difficult to see what the positives are for Liverpool. You know, I think even this season, you wait for people to come back from injury. Diogo Jota, we waited a while for him to come back from injury, got injured again. Um, so I don't even think the prospect of people coming back from injury is, is, is a massive positive because who's to say that before then they don't suffer more injuries or reoccurrences or whatever. So I don't know, it's really difficult. Um, I look back at that Fulham game slightly differently. I, I, I look back at it as a bit of an off day, which thanks to injuries and, and perhaps a, a bit of an overreaction to that result, it's just spiralled and snowballed into a bit of a crisis in Liverpool. But, you know, I think the problems started way before Fulham. I think they started the summer, the summer before that when Liverpool, I mean... I don't know whether it's a combination of things, but they either gambled again like they did with Van Dijk on, well, we won't buy this summer because we'll get next. And that's backfired. Whether the owners wouldn't spend as much having bought Darwin Nunes, well, that's backfired. Whether Klopp was guilty of being too loyal to a number of players who have bad fitness records or bad form records, that's backfired. Probably a combination of those three and it's resulted in a midfield, which is just... Is not fit. Is not fit for Liverpool. So, I think um, in more ways than one. So, I think that's that's the thing that has has been sabotaged Liverpool's season, if you like. Yeah, I've got to agree with you on that one, mate. The Fulham thing, I just meant it just didn't. I mean, obviously, one game in, you can't. But it just the press wasn't there, and and it was the interceptions. It was it was the pass interceptions that have just been game after game after game, isn't it? They just they're not passing the ball fast enough. They're not run into the right positions fast enough because they're all heavy legged and, and no one that midfield gets carved open like a knife through a hot knife through butter doesn't it um i mean look you know you you open the papers nearly every day and jude bellingham's getting linked paul um and now of course city have joined the race and city have popped in and said well we fancy a slice of him you know it, it is very 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 difficult and, and and klopp made this point and then got slaughtered for it but he was only saying what everyone thinks or no one will say out loud is that it's, it's nigh on impossible to compete with, you know, a club's spending process and transfer process that just means that they they can have the pick of the litter everything every single time something comes up. Um, mm. But then it does also highlight, you know, a limit to the ambitions of, of FSG, should we say, because they've had their opportunity, haven't they, to, to, to strike and keep striking and keep going. Uh, and they didn't. They rested on the laurel. We've got a new stand getting built or, or extended. Uh, and maybe they've said to Klopp, well, with that and Darwin Nunez and Carvalho, that's 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 about your lot. But it, as Paul, as Joe has just said, with that and the injuries that we've got, um, it's all massively backfiring, isn't it? And it's backfiring in front of our very eyes. And there's such a, there seems to be such a hopeless kind of look on 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 Klopp's face whenever you see it, because you can see that he he knows that that the perfect storm has happened and, and it's, everything's come back to roost. Yeah, that, that, that's the phrase I was about to use myself. It is the perfect storm, isn't it? It's not just one thing that's going wrong. It's several things that keep springing up. And, you know, we're, we're into November now. Naby Keita hasn't played a minute. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain played 20 minutes against Forrest. Um, I think it's 19 players have missed at least one game this season. Um, I think the only players off the top of my head I think who haven't, Salah, Possibly Van Dijk and uh, Fabinho through injury, um, and maybe that speaks to to his particular struggles. You know, he's playing with a different couple of teammates in every single midfield, and it looks like the 
carpool on the horse at times, doesn't he? Um, just so many issues. And, and as, as Joe says, you know, you, you can kind of point back towards the summer when Liverpool's net spend was around about 10 million, I think, um, given they'd just come off the Champions League run, uh, runners up in the Premier League. Um, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have been short of a barbecue, you'd imagine, given the, you know, looking at the, going back a few years, look, look at the, the money you break, you, you, you get for just getting to the Champions League final, and they've done that in 2018, 19, and 22. Um, so they've earned huge sums of money just from that competition alone, and, and okay, the, the way the owners have them run is self-sufficient and, and has to be a certain way. Um, likes of Newcastle, Manchester United, and particularly Chelsea now with, with their new owner. Um, they don't kind of operate under that, under those restrictions. And Manchester City certainly don't. The only ones you can kind of maybe compare them to are Arsenal and Tottenham. And um, you know, Liverpool are looking up at, at all of them at the moment, aren't they? So um, there's just so many things that are going wrong. And I don't think Bellingham is the kind of magic one that will cure all the ills. But what I think will go a long way towards getting Liverpool back in the top four and then maybe we can just forget about this season and, and, and look again next season, next summer, will be a, a decent, you know, couple of arrivals in January and, and whoever that would be, you, you generally trust those who are making those decisions to get that right because they have done for the best part of, of half a decade now, haven't they? But certainly something's got to give in the next couple of months when January rolls around because if, if not, if they kind of play this this game where they think they can get by with a, with an Arthur Mello, with an Ozan Kabak or a Ben Davis, they're going to come unstuck and then that's going to set Liverpool back years and um, you know, I didn't want to come on this podcast and be all doom and gloom because it seems to be all we ever talk about at the moment is, is the negatives but um, you know, this is a, is a critical period for Liverpool under Klopp's you know, particularly the second half of his, of his um, you know his, his stewardship if you like, he signed a new contract in April, he will have been looking ahead to, towards building you know, another great Liverpool team and going again. But if they don't get in the Champions League, given the way that the owners run the club, they're not going to be able to be able to do that. As sad that is, and and I just think it's it's a shame that you know a poor three month period can undo five years of incredible progress. Um, and at the moment, it is looking like that is is going to transpire. So it's a massive kind of you know on the other side of the winter break. It's a massive six months. Poetry in motion. On the Blood Red Channel. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I mean, Liverpool have notoriously been strong ends and seasons, haven't they? But the fact of the matter is that we know, we know, we know from from previous seasons and very, very recent previous seasons that you can't rest on your levels in this. Once you're once you're in a position, ownership wise and management ship wise, where you are really fighting on all fronts and you are putting up a fight against against the likes of Man City, you can't stop. You can't say, well, this is the team we need. We need. We do. It's a constant flow. City haven't rested on the laurels, have they? Again, it's, it's a completely different situation financially, but they they saw the threat that Liverpool were posing and they um, and they struck, didn't they? 
the fact that they're coming out and saying we're interested in Jude Bellingham is just frankly horrifying, isn't it? When you consider the midfield that they've got already. But um, And we can't compete with that. There's no point in it. But there just has to be a point, surely, Joe, when when the owners... I mean, even now they're talking about, you know, getting rid of Naby Keita, getting rid of... It's always let's get rid of a few before we can pull one in. And, and it's... Um, it's getting very tiring, isn't it, mate? Because, you know, these are players that collectively are probably £100 million worth of signings that we got. Uh, I think Ox was £40 million and, and Kate, Kate it's not much short of 60 uh, And then they're going to be going as, as a part deal if we can get anyone at all, Joe. Well, the thing is, I, I don't mind selling players. You know, I don't, I'm not saying sell to buy, but I don't mind. And I think Liverpool probably haven't sold enough players in the last two, three years. You know, because I think one of the things that City do quite well is they just turn over their squad players and, and, you know, they bring in the likes of Calvin Phillips this year. And all right, for a lot of money. But that's where Liverpool, I think, I'll say Chamberlain is a good example, I think, of a player who, when he came in, he cost a fair bit, but for a good couple of years, and I know he, he suffered a bad injury, but aside from that, he was a good squad player. He'd come off the bench. He th- felt like he had goals in him. He could fill in, in a couple of different positions. And he felt like he felt like you could put him in to give the team a bit of a different dimension, and it and it worked. You know, I remember there was games he'd, he'd score some some quite crucial goals in, played well against City, didn't he, in, in the quarters, and he played his part in a successful team. And then I think psychologically, it must come, become quite clear to Alex Oxley Chamberlain, I'm not going to get in this Liverpool team. I've had injuries, other players have come in. He's you know he's not going to be a long term answer for Liverpool. So. It must be hard for him to keep motivating himself, and when he's not injured, to to keep coming back. So, you know, I, I think I look at that and think he should have been sold probably eighteen months ago. And I, and I don't mean that to knock him, but Liverpool probably should have moved him on to to another Premier League side and bought a player to replace him. And I just feel like they've not done that. You know, I felt they kept hold of Origi for so long, didn't they? And I know he he played his part, but they kept hold of him till the very very end. And they, you know, Oxley Chamberlain. And I'm more, I'm more talking about midfield. But I look at that, and Chamberlain and Cater just shouldn't be at Liverpool anymore. And, and I know James Milner, you know, is is he's played his part. But again, he shouldn't be starting as many games. And I think that should have been so much fresher. And Liverpool just haven't invested and haven't taken chances um, on players in there. And, and I look back at something Klopp said earlier this season in a press conference when. He, he, he got asked, do you feel like you've been backed? And he, he wouldn't fully answer the question, but he, he did drop a hint, which I think is the strongest thing he's ever said against the ownership model, when he said, I just wish we'd take more chances. And I think that that's the thing about Liverpool. They, they don't go and buy someone. Oxley Chamberlain's probably probably the, the exception, but they don't often buy people, do they, when they go, you know what, there's someone available there. We'll just go for them. They might not be a first-team player, or they might not, Ever, you know, they might not play for us for six, seven, eight years, but we know they could be handy in the short term. They never do that. They have to go for the Bellingham. They have to go. They have to go big and invest for the next eight, nine years. And I just think that City, City look. They look long term, but they look short term. They constantly go. Well, that will strengthen us for the next year or two. And if it doesn't work out, then move him on. I've got no doubt that someone like Calvin Phillips will be moved on from City in two, three years. But but he might just play enough games to keep them competitive in the meantime. And it frustrates me that Liverpool don't do that. And all right, you know, I, I think the ownership we can we can debate that all we want, and they've done some good things, they've done some bad things. But that's where I just think they've got a manager there that is, has been brilliant, 
just back him if he wants to gamble a bit more. Back him. I, I don't really understand why why you wouldn't. Surely, surely Klopp has earned that. Well, I mean, the thing is, what 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 starts to worry us as, as as fans is the not so much losing players, but the but I know he's just signed a new contract, but Klopp suddenly turning around saying I can't put up with this no more. Uh, this could be one of these pivotal seasons where he's looking at this team and thinking, well, this is this is going badly wrong and it's going badly wrong because it hasn't been invested in and I haven't really been fully backed. That's the problem. I mean, I don't think... I, th- I Jamie Carragher brought out a piece of... Uh, well, there was a piece of Jamie Car- uh, Jamie Carragher's uh, uh, speech brought out on Twitter recently on social media, which he's absolutely bang on, right? But he was just saying... Liverpool fans would rather everyone at the club go rather than Klopp. They do not know. There's no situation or no time when Klopp. And I hope Klopp understands and is fully aware of the fact that, you know, we want him. He's he's our foundation, uh, not necessarily the players. But again, as Joe says, put Pete, and then we'll go on. Then we'll go on to the European stuff. At least we've got something to talk about that's positive when we go to the European stuff. But um, you know, when you see the players that are out there, the Declan Rices of the world, and it's certainly as well, and the players that are just those marauding midfield players, and and you look at it's it's unfortunate because you know poor old Fabinho's getting stick at the moment. He's he's the, he's the, he's he's playing like the granddad of the of the of the Fabinho that we've seen recently. Well, it's it's just all down to the heavy legness, isn't it? It's down to that, and it's down to them try. It's like watching a heavyweight boxer, one of your favourite heavyweight boxers, who's should have retired. And he's fighting a younger fighter. This is what I see Liverpool and every time they play a Premiership game at the moment. And every now and again, they'll throw a brilliant combination and you go, there they are, there's, there they go again, there he is. There's the... And then they get clipped in the jaw. It just feels like they're trying their very, very best, but but there's just not enough in the tank, Paul. Yeah. Um, it's just, I mean, there, there are so many issues for it, isn't there? I mean, back in the summer when, when you were thinking, you know, Liverpool need the midfielder, you think dropping Jude Bellingham into that squad has just gone... So close to, to the quadruple um, would be perfect, and and he'd be the one who would kind of give the the midfield a kind of new lease of life, and you can continue on with Thiago in there and, and Fabinho, the you know Fabinho of last season, and and then Henderson come in here and there, and and, and that would have been, you know, um, a really kind of interesting combination of, of players that you've got. But now I think the pool are, are, are in such a such a struggling period that it doesn't necessarily need Jude Bellingham to come in and fix it. You just need the kind of um, determination and backing to go and fix what 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 the issues are. Um, and there's no doubt about it that the midfield is the glaring problem at the moment, isn't it? You look at the centre of action and they're okay there. Canate backing the team after that injury, and I thought he was excellent against Napoli. Joel Matter, when he's obviously fit, is still you know a top centre back. And okay, Joe Gomez has had a bit of an up and down season, but as a four choice centre back, you'd, you'd struggle to to find someone better than him. Um, Trent not having a great season; he's been massively subdued as an attacking force, and the questions have come in defensively as well. But still, he's a, a top fullback when he's at his best, isn't he? Robertson, ditto for him. Simakas can come in and, and deputise for him. Allison, world class goalkeeper. And then at the top end, you've still got Salah, Darwin Nunes is finding his feet, Diogo Jota, Luis Diaz. So, you know, there aren't, you know, there's still things to be positive about within this Liverpool squad, but that midfield area, like Joe says, is just the kind of massive red flag, isn't it? When you've got Navigator who hasn't kicked the ball since 
you know, we come on with a community shield, but he hasn't played the minutes since then. Curtis Jones is only just coming back and still not sure if he's, you know, a long-term player in this Liverpool team or not. Um, maybe that's a bit harsh. Milner coming towards the end of his career. Henderson's getting on. Thiago's getting on. And then Fabinho just looks like he's being pulled in, in every which direction because of because of the issues that are around them, really. Harvey Elliott, again, young player with talent, but I'm not sure he's got the physicality to play in, in a 4-3-3 for Liverpool. So, that central midfield area is the issue. And, um, you know, then you look at Oxley chamberlain Kate and Milner all could be off at the end of the season. So how many are they going to be needing? It's going to take quite an investment to overhaul that midfield and it's not going to be sufficient enough if they don't get in the top four. And even then, it's going to require a little bit of a change of strategy from the owners, which, you know, even in the kind of darkest depths of, of despair, it hasn't looked like it's been coming, has it, when you look at, how severe that centre-back situation was a couple of years ago and Ozan come back on loan and Ben Davis, who never kicked the ball with, with the sum of their efforts. So um, I'm a little bit pessimistic on their kind of, you know, chances of of seeing the light and seeing that, you know, Klopp does need a bit more backing than he's been given. But um, I think that is the only way that Liverpool are going to be challenging for the, for the top four in the, in the second half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. You talked about Trent there. You mentioned Trent, and Trent has had one of them seasons has been very criticised. And I've noticed two games recently where Trent ha- was shackled, but shackled to be a defender and get up a little bit less than he normally does. I'm, I'm kind of sick of seeing him in centre mid, um, just being running completely all over the place out of position and, and and having players have to come and cover for him. I mean, the Leeds' first goal was clearly Joe Gomez's fault, but it was Joe Gomez running across to cover a player that had gone past Trent, who 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 did this little canter that he does back way too late to be of any effect. The two games that stood out for me were where Trent has, has either been told to keep still or has took it upon himself to, were Man City and Napoli at home, and we, we got good results in both them games. He was still able to provide the odd pass in them, but he wasn't gallivanting forward, was he? He wasn't doing that thing, which was fine. It's great to do when everything's ticking and we've got cover. But he was tending to, he's been tending to do it more this season where he has been running forward, Joe. He has been getting out of position, not getting back. And we're not, we're not getting the benefit from it. So I think while this whole midfield crisis is going on, he needs to be, I think, in my, in my opinion, he needs to be doing what he was doing against City and against Napoli, which is just concentrating on that right back position, getting up the odd opportunity, but not, not just roaming round Anfield or whatever pitch he happens to be on, because that that doesn't that doesn't give us any results. It's hard to know what he's been told, isn't it? And, and whether in those two games he was told be a bit more defensive. But I think you're right. I think it certainly helped, and I think he it, it's no surprise that he played slightly better. Although he had a hard time, didn't he, at times against Napoli up against that um, that lad whose name I don't think anyone in the world can pronounce. I think his own parents would probably struggle to pronounce that name. But but um, Cavrascalia. Get what? in there, Ghosty. That's why he's the dude, you see, and you're the Linda. What is it? Go on, say it again. I can't say his, I can't pronounce his first name, but his surname's Cavratskalia. Cavratskalia. All I know is he's worth about, about 20 times more than he was before the kickoff the other night. Yeah, yeah, he looked a good player, to be fair to him, didn't he? But um, all right, bet, bet you can't spell it, Ghosty, without looking. I can see your eyes reading across that screen. No, um, it was very much a copy and paste yeah. job on Tuesday yeah. night. Yeah, good man. Winning out of the <laughs> He's an unreal name, unreal player. But but yeah, I mean, 
It's hard to know, isn't it? And again, it sounds like a, we sound like a broken record in this pub, but like you just you've just touched on there, it just comes back to the midfield for me. And and Trent at his best was covered by a Wijnaldum or a Henderson or a Milner when he was when he was at his best, and, and players that were energetic and who could get back. And and the midfield just did the slog, didn't it, for the for the likes of Henderson, uh, sorry Trent and and Robertson to get forward and to 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 be danger men. And I think again. You know, I remember at the start of last season when Pep Linders sort of, who does seem to enjoy um, talking about Liverpool's tactics a lot, he, he was talking about moving Trent inside and, and it gave them an extra, and I'm sure it did, but I think at the moment you, you might be seeing a bit of a confused Trent or someone who's, who lacks the confidence to do what what he's what he's been told to do. So I don't know, I think again it comes down to the midfield and not having a midfield that, that functions well enough to help the likes of Trent and, and Robertson to an extent play as well as they can. And um, I feel sorry for Trent at times because I, I look at some of the criticism he's got this season and, and, and think, well, it's no wonder he's not playing that well because the rest of the team's not functioning around him. And it's the same for Fabinho. I've got no doubt that Fabinho will be fine if Liverpool can, can support him. But again, he's been left exposed because around him is, is it inconsistent or, or or not fit or not playing as well as they should. So again, I think these players who who were perfect for Liverpool's system at its best look exposed right now because Liverpool's system isn't working or or doesn't have the right personnel. So yeah, it was difficult. But it was good. You know, Napoli seemed a, a more solid performance. Obviously they were clops had an armpit away from conceding the opening goal again. But they got away with that and built a good foundation and I'm sure we'll come to him but Darwin Nunes just for me is like although he's been a bit mad is, is the one thing this this season so far that you can cling to and say you know what if if Liverpool can get the other areas of the team going they could have a real real player on their hands there Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel With threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ghosty, the Napoli game was, um, it was tight, wasn't it? It was, it, it was you know, chances created, uh, passes completed, pretty much on the same level. But didn't feel like, it felt like uh, after a while, it felt like we weren't going to concede, but didn't really feel like we were going to score. And then on comes the madman. <laughs> and and something happens, doesn't it? Something, when a player like that comes on, his energy comes on with him. He's very much the antithesis of what's going on at Liverpool at the moment where most of our players are so knackered that they're not bringing any energy with them anyway because they don't really have any. You get someone like him and Diaz as well, of course. There are a couple. Uh, Harvey Elliott brings a lot of energy with him as well, and, and uh, Cavallio. Uh, Diaz, obviously, we're not we're not getting a benefit to that at the moment. But when Nunez came on, there was suddenly something else, wasn't there? There was another dimension to yeah. the way we played. We can't just keep relying on whacking a ball over to Salah, who's going to pick it up near the corner flag and try and dribble past four plays, drop his shoulder, and either sky one into the into the street, or uh, or or you know that possible night, you know. 99 100% chance he's going to pass the ball. Um, but with Diaz, there just seemed to be that. Uh, sorry, Nunez, there just seemed to be that level of threat, didn't there? And and and, and he, he proved it. I mean, he was he was pivotal in both goals, wasn't he? 
Yeah, I just just want to make a quick point on Trent going back to him. Um, for all the kind of criticism he gets, and, and we don't have heard about it when a, a winger gets in but behind him, he's kept Cabrat Scalia quiet there, and, and he's probably one of the, the most informed players in Europe this season. So um, He's just showing off his name now, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Throwing Cabrat Scalia in there, just showing off. Just keep saying, of course, dude. And, you know, it's just a professional. Um, <laughs> or the, the Georgian lad, shall we call him. Um, so credit where it's due because, you know, sometimes he'll do that and Liverpool will keep a clean sheet. You don't hear anything about it until the next time a winger gets a crossing and then the same old tired arguments surface. But, yeah, just going to, to answer your question, Fritzy, about um, Darwin Nunes. Um, I was on NFC TV with Neil Jones earlier this week and, and he likened them to a, to a wrestler. You know, when a wrestler makes his entrance, and that's kind of what it like what it was like. It was like the old Ultimate Warrior coming down the ring when he came on. He just created chaos, and before you knew it, Liverpool were winning two nil. Um, I thought he was very unlucky not to to have the the first goal given to him. To be honest, I'm not sure if it was over the line or not. Apparently not. Um, but then he gets his tapping at the end, doesn't he? And he scored seven now. He's only started eight. He's played fifteen appearances, so. I think there's only five players who've scored more than him in, in the Premier League era after the first 15 Liverpool games. Uh, and that's Diogo Jota, Salah, Daniel Sturridge, Fowler and Torres. Um, so he's outscoring the likes of Sadio Mane, Michael Owen, you know, Luis Suarez. Um, and he's doing it at a time when, you know, the, the reactions and the hot takes are just so instant, aren't they? And he was getting called a, a waste of money after 20 minutes in a friendly back in July and... Okay, he's, he's you know, the touch is a bit loose now and again, and sometimes he'll try something with which he shouldn't. But so far, so good for me because he just looks like he's going to score goals, and he might not do it in the most aesthetically pleasing manner. But so what? He's going to be getting amongst the goals. He's going to be a real handful for defenses over the next five or six years as a Liverpool player. And they obviously believe that he's good enough to become this eighty-five million pound club record sign. And so, um. He's been a little bit unfairly judged by what the uh, the, the fellow at City's doing. Harland absolutely tearing up the record books, isn't he? But so what? I mean, it's, you know, that's not no real concern for Darwin Nunes. He can only settle in as English is, is coming on by all accounts slowly but surely. And um, yeah, I just think when he plays Liverpool, are watchable, aren't they? If you're in neutral, because you just don't know what he's going to do. Um, so yeah, good on him. He's, he's you know, it's been a difficult few months already, but he's um, he's shown what he's all about. I think absolutely, mate, and, and I, I think you bang on right. It seems that every time he runs on the pitch, he's tagged by the the media and the commentators as the the eighty five million pound Liverpool's richest player, Liverpool's most expensive player. Not a tap when Haaland runs on; he's on just under a million pound a week, isn't he? It's something ridiculous like that. Mm-hmm. One hundred ninety million pound investment that they've that they've swindled everyone into believing was fifty two million pound signing. Nunes is doing a great job. I think he, I love his madness. He's just got to be careful. He did throw a little elbow. I think he threw a little elbow, a little, a little uh, nudge into one of the players. Although, of course, you could have sneezed next to most of them players, and he would have rolled over, wouldn't he? But he does look like he he doesn't uh, he doesn't need much of an invite here to get into a little bit of a grapple, does he? But just it just gives that lift to everyone, doesn't it? And it just gives it gives defenders something else to look at and something else to worry about. And I think and his pace. And he doesn't mind going over to the right-hand side as well, the left-hand side as well, does he? He goes over to the left-hand side, he'll come back to retrieve a ball, he'll defend well, uh, and he'll get down that wing and cause a bit of murder as well. So, um, I think he needs to start it imperative, surely, Joe, that he starts it uh, against Tottenham, mate, because uh, as as Joe, as Paul earlier said, 
Um, it's every game's going to be a massive result now, and every game's got to be a win, really, hasn't it? But um, certainly Tottenham away, uh, you need that threat up front, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I know Klopp's got to think of the bigger picture, but I, you know, I'd be starting him in every game at the moment just because I think he's the one thing for Liverpool to be really positive about. And the great thing for him is, you know, he's been dropped into this Liverpool side, probably thinking, "Oh, I'm arriving at this club, which is which challenges for every single trophy in, in the you know in the window," and, and he's, he's sort of dropped into a Liverpool side that which is struggling. But it, it, what's going on around him doesn't seem to affect him that much. He just plays on pure emotion. As, as Gorsi said, just legs on like like the ultimate warrior, and I like him off the left because I just think he just runs, doesn't he? He just he just gets the ball, runs at people, he tries to make things happen, and all right, sometimes he chooses the wrong option, but but almost every single time he has the ball, you think Liverpool might have a shot, they might have a chance, they might something might happen, and and you know he's he's had he's had quite a bit of luck from just. From just doing that, you know, if you think all season, you know, is some of the goals he scored have been a bit lucky. Some of the goals Liverpool have scored thanks to him have been a bit lucky, but that's because he he's just trying things. And I think players around him aren't really doing that. You know, they're playing within themselves a bit. So I think he's got to start against Tottenham. You know, I think keeping him fit is key to Liverpool turning things around. And I think by the end of the season, you know, a lot of people are going to look very silly because. Um, because there was some some big things said about him, like you've both said at the start of the season, and I, I don't really know why. Because I'm yet to see a Liverpool game when I think he's he's played really badly. He's made bad choices and he's done silly things, but I don't think there's one game where I've looked at him and thought, you know, he's he's stunk the show out. He's, he's been he's been good in every game. So yeah, I, I'm um, I'm made up with him, and it's a shame that you know the rest of the team isn't functioning because we'd be I think we'd all be really raving about him, but. He just seems to be the sleeper hit for Liverpool this season. Well, you mentioned yeah, some of the some of the some of the dodgy decisions that he makes on the ball, but of course, I can name at least two world class saves that have stopped him from scoring absolute goal of the season contenders. I mean, the one against Everton, mm-hmm. which was over over his shoulder onto his uh, onto his right foot, and then the one against West Ham, Fabianski tipped over the bar was was off his chest and on his left foot. And uh, they were both absolute screamers. Did he do one against Fulham as well? I think the right to start the season, first game. Oh, I feel like I feel like he had an effort against Fulham, a similar sort of bouncing yeah. volley. Yeah. That, that's why I was surprised when he went through against Leeds last week, why he tried to chop it back. Because normally we've seen him hit it early, haven't we? Whether it's on his right or his left. Um, but he's got he's got two good feet. He's not shy of a shot. Um, he was very unlucky against West Ham. He obviously, obviously scored the goal that won the game, but could have had a couple, couldn't he? Did he, he rattle the post with another left-footed one. Um, and he scored a goal every 106 or 7 minutes, which is, um, I'd imagine, is probably... Problem is, they're only 90-minute matches. <laughs> yeah, he's getting them deep into injury time. Um, that That's a record that I'd imagine is, is you know, maybe Haaland aside, probably, probably second-best in the country at the moment. So... Um, yeah, it's just a case of, of keeping them in the team, I think. Um, Klopp's obviously had to adjust the system for the players who were out injured. He went to a diamond, didn't he, against Ajax, and then it didn't quite work as effectively against Leeds. But Tuesday night was was 4-3-3 again, and even if you've got to play him off the left for, for a few weeks, um, just get him in, in the side and Firmino down the middle, because we've seen when he when he is out wide, he, he's, he's just so direct. He'll just run to the, the full-back only, and he's probably quicker than them, because he's... Incredible pace, so yeah. Um, 
few things to be positive about this season, but he, he's, he's definitely one of them at the moment. Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. More than one occasion, lads, he's he's gone along that left down the way, down the wing, right down the line, and he's whipped balls in. There just hasn't mm-hmm. been anyone there, or it hasn't quite. So, and he has the initiative to go and do that. He's a real positive. Let's get more positive now. I know we've been. It's hard not to be, isn't it? We're reflecting what's yeah. going on. I mean, it, one bugbear I can't stand is when people turn around to me and say, "Oh, your pod sometimes and half go down." Listen, the days of the days of uh, you know of papering over the cracks. You can't do that. You've got to talk about what's on everyone's minds and you've got to address the issues. God knows we've been, we've been, we've been doing podcasts for the last five seasons, which has just been the, the, the three of us dancing around the maypole saying how wonderful the world is. <laughs> well, it's, exactly. it's, yeah. This is football and this, this is the other side of it. And we will get back to that. I'm totally confident of it. And we've just, you know, perfect storm, injuries, this, that, you know, we're, we're where we are. Thankfully, we know our way around Europe, don't we? Boy, oh boy, what, we just have that class, don't we? We have that time. Again, I think of a lot of his tempo it suits us. and uh, No one's really blasting down. Napoli ran all over us when they beat us at their place and, and, and they, they sat back a little bit more and allowed us to play. And, and if everyone does that, then we've got half a chance with every team. Again, what you say about um, Trent handling that bloke. What's his name, Paul? Kavratskalia. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, he did. He absolutely did, and I think that's why, uh, for me personally, I'd I'd keep Trent more disciplined where he is, and rely on every now and again because he still whips some nice balls up. He did, he, he did that to the right as well. But it's just that Roman around the place that leaves everyone exposed. I think that's the problem. That we've got to tighten that up. I think, and 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 then just sort of weather the storm. Obviously, Tottenham is a huge one, but. Um, but no, it's got to be for me until Diaz comes back as well. What a handful he's going to be alongside that. Uh, do you think there's a shout for? It's very hard in the midfield at the moment because we it's holding midfielders and that we've got. And Harvey Elliott has been great, hasn't he? But but as you say, there's there's a lot of effort there, isn't it? But doesn't seem to be. Yes, he seems to he seems to pair up really really well with Cavallio. But the, you you can't really see a time when they're both going to certainly start a match together, can you, Paul? So it's it is a tricky one. Yeah, I think the idea for him was, you know, when Liverpool were at their absolute best, he'd be someone who you could just drop in and just let him get a feel of it, a bit of experience, build on it, improve, and just slowly become the player that they obviously think he's going to be. Um, the issues are that he's being dropped in when all manner of things have been springing up left, right and centre. So it's not necessarily his fault. It's more just a time when you need your senior players, a bit of physicality in midfield, just to dig in, hunker down, get over the line in one or two games. Maybe he's being asked to, to do a little bit too much. Um, but on the going back to the injury front, that hasn't the reason he's probably played so much is because of those injuries. I don't think Henderson's been fit all season. He's obviously missed games through injury and um probably played when he's he's only been half fit to be honest. Um so that's probably one of the reasons why Elliot has, has played a lot of football. But you know, uh, Liverpool at full speed, 
it will be able to eventually give him the game time for him to make those next steps. It's just a you know a case of at the moment it's just been difficult for him to show what he's all about when there are so many other issues all across the pitch. But um, he's going to be a, a player, no doubt about it. He's still a, still only nineteen, I think. Since twenty in April, signed a new contract recently, so future's positive for him. It's just a little bit of a difficult period for everyone, really. I think, yeah. sorry to dive in, I, I think with, with Harvey Elliott, do you remember a couple of years back when we were having that, everyone was talking about Foden and whether Foden should go out on loan because he wasn't getting enough game time at City. I kind of think that's the conversation we should be having about Elliott this season. He should be that yeah. so exciting that every time we see him, we want more of him. But Klopp's holding him back a little bit because because he's young and because you, you want to protect him. I mean, drop him in when, like you just said, Gorsi, when Liverpool are playing well and 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 protect him but it's been um, it's been a year when he's been needed so much and it's a shame for him so hopefully he does emerge stronger from this and hopefully he does sort of take the experience and and doesn't let it affect him because the, the the one worrying thing is that you know hopefully it doesn't you know it, it, it doesn't have a damaging effect on him because um, you know he doesn't really deserve that the, you know the, the criticism that's, that's come the way of the team this year does he Harvey Elliott he's, he's far too young for that and he's He's far too bright for that. So um, hopefully he emerges stronger. But you know, I wish I wish he hadn't played as much this season. And that's not because I think I don't think he's. Yeah, I, I think it's a similar situation for Carvalho as well. I think he was meant to be someone who you'd you'd see now and again, 15, 20 minutes here and there, and maybe starting League Cup games. But given the issues, he's just had to be dropped in. And you're still looking for for where he's where his best position is. You know, he played centre mid in the derby, didn't he, with with Harvey Elliott. Um, and Fabinho, I think, which looking back on it now is an incredible decision from Klopp to go to go to the Sun Park with a midfield three like that. Um, so it's just just a, you know an accumulation of issues, isn't it? But um, I think those two as players are very much two players with, with massive futures. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll just end with uh, the positivity of the Champions League, of course. Um, it'll, uh, who, who do you fancy in the in the, uh, in the for the draw? Benfica would be a nice one, wouldn't it? Benfica and Port, fifty percent chance of going to Portugal, isn't it for, for the yeah. Reds fans? And Porto seems to play them every year, don't they? Um, play Benfica in April. Certainly, won either of those two over Real Madrid or Bayern Munich. Absolutely sick to the back teeth of Real Madrid. They, you know, they, they played quite a lot over the last ten years, and Madrid seemed to come out on the. Victoria side every every time. Munich's obviously got the, the Mane narrative, uh, but I think avoid them as long as possible. So uh, Benfica or Porto, I'll bring them on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Joe, same? Yeah, same. I, I always have this theory that in the last 16, you want someone that you can sort of ease past and, and look quite good at while doing so. And, and Liverpool have done that a few times, haven't they? And then in the in the quarters, you, you then want a name that you can... If you dump a, a name out in the quarters... You sort of tell the rest of the competition, don't you, that you mean business. So, yeah, save the Bayerns this world for um, for the quarterfinals, and hopefully, one of these Portuguese sides that will play a bit of football with Liverpool, and uh, and Liverpool will stand a good chance against. Absolutely, mate. Well, we'll just round things off now. Of course, we've got Tottenham is a big game on Sunday. Um, nice to see Calvin Ramsey doing it, um, uh, getting a little touch out there in the last couple of minutes of the of the of the game of the night, wasn't it? And um, Hopefully he'll go from strength to strength. Big moment for him, of course. Um, Liverpool, Derby County in the uh, the, uh, the League Cup. 
is on the 9th of November. And then we've got Southampton at home and we've got Villa away. Of course, won't be a Stephen Gerrard link there, of course, because he's gone. Uh, we'll just end on a nice positive note, shall we? The, the Klopp has been given the freedom of the city, which means that he and him and Gerrard can now both chase sheep down Dale Street. That's one of the, apparently that's one of the things you can do. You can um, you can march all the sheep down Dale Street. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I think Joe might have done that in his, in his time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what, what I would say about that actually is uh, there's only two what people. Christmas who that was, eh? Go on, more. I think there's only two people who've ever been awarded that from outside of the UK, and one's Nelson Mandela, and the other yeah. one's now Jurgen Klopp. So it kind of shows you the the level of person who, who you know he's, he's kind of being likened to, essentially. Um, so. Fair I think that's a man struggled to get a couple of quid out of our owners, to be fair. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 a great thing for him and his family. Uh, speaking to to someone who, who was there on on the night and basically just couldn't speak highly enough of of how Klopp handled himself and, and his family. They said they were fantastic. They were over the moon to be given such a prestigious award, and um, you know, fair play to him. Yeah, he's an absolute legend, isn't he, Mr. Rimmer? Uh, uh, Jürgen Norbert Klopp. Me or... Oh, oh, you yeah. are, son. Uh, I'm talking about, of course, Jürgen Norbert Klopp. He's, uh, he's, he's just been... He's been magnificent, mate, hasn't he? What he's done for the city, what he's done for the people, what he's done for the fans and this club. And uh, as part of the heartbreak we're going through at the moment, isn't it, is we're watching it through his eyes, really, and it's, and it's very frustrating. Yeah, I love the man. And, and, and that's it. You know, you, you mentioned before, didn't you, that... The pod may be a little bit negative, but you know, it's just frustrating because there's so much right about the club, if that makes sense. That when they're bad on the pitch, you know, it's not like you've got a manager that you you want out. You want everyone to succeed, don't you? And, and we love you know, the players have done so much for this club, and, and the manager um, has, has just worked wonders. You know, he's he's an absolute legend, and yeah, love him, love him to bits. Absolutely. Well, Sunday, 6th of November, of course, is Tottenham and it's a 4.30 kickoff. We just steady the ship. That's what we need to do. The fatigue is going to stay. It's not going anywhere. Fatigue doesn't do that. It doesn't just have a week off. They are, they are, uh, they, they have ran us, ran every club in this, in, in the country and in Europe ragged for five seasons. They've pressed, they've pushed, they've, uh, they've shown the intensity uh, that we've, that we've just been going you know, we were we were creaming about where we let's face it for the five, last five seasons. They did it last season. They're struggling a little bit. We need to get behind. We're always behind them. There's no doubt about that. We might be critical when it needs to be, but we're, we're behind them a hundred percent. And hopefully, they can uh, get a result uh, against Tottenham and then just get a little bit of consistency, and then uh, we'll be right back on track. Mr. Gorse, thank you very much, Paul. Always a pleasure. Cheers, Neil. Thank you. Cheers, pal. Joe, this is a dream team for me. You, th- you, you two. So we're uh, always pleasure to see you, Joe. And uh, take it easy, pal. And fingers crossed. For Sunday. Cheers, Fitzy. Nice one. Thanks, pal. All right, that is it uh, for this latest poetry in motion. Yeah, to keep believing and back in the Reds. We'll be back in the in the hot seat uh, before too long, no doubt. Take it easy, and I'll see you on the next Poetry in Motion. You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel. <laughs>